0: Hello and welcome to Ashurst Women in Tech podcast series. We are very excited to be back for a second season. In this series, we share the stories of inspiring women working at the intersection of innovation, law and technology. If you haven't listened to our first season, you can find us on Ashurst Legal Outlook podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Rhiannon Webster and I'm a partner in Ashurst Digital Economy team. The Ashurst Digital Economy team supports clients' digital strategies and identifies how they can leverage new technologies from a legal perspective. In today's episode, we chat to Sue Kahn, Vice President of Privacy and Data Protection Officer at Flow Health. In our discussion, Sue and I talk about Sue's role in a company at the intersection of health, technology and data, with its mission to use data and technology to give power to women when it comes to their health. Here's our conversation. Hi, Sue. Hi, Rhiannon.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I'm really thrilled that you agreed to be a guest on this podcast. When we were brainstorming potential guests, we couldn't think of anyone more perfect than you for me to interview. As not only are you inspiring women working in the technology sector, but that technology is designed to empower women and build a better future for f- female health. And equally exciting for me you are a data protection <laughs> lawyer so I would love to learn more about your role at flow and can you describe what flow is and and what is your role within that business
1: yeah absolutely um thanks again uh, for having me here so um I've I joined flow only recently in January and I've joined as you mentioned as the VP of privacy and the data protection officer um so flow's mission is to build a better future for female health um, because we believe that when it comes to health, knowledge is power. So we have a fantastic app um, and we want to put the power back into the hands of women. So we think it's really important for women to understand their body signals um, and stay well and live better lives. So fantastic kind of organization, fantastic service. We're growing every day. We've got about i think this is right 50 million monthly active users worldwide um and we just really want everyone to get to know their bodies better females to get to know their bodies better so um yeah my my role is uh, to really look after the privacy function currently in the team we've got two fantastic privacy lawyers a privacy program manager and a privacy project manager and i report into the chief legal and compliance officer um But just generally speaking in terms of my role at Flow, I guess at a very high level, my goal is to help women feel really informed and in control of their health data. So um, keeping privacy simple, uh, presenting it to users in simple terms so that they can use the Flow app um, with full confidence and without feeling worried about how their data is being treated. Um, Ultimately, my team we're focused on protecting the rights and freedoms of individuals. and safeguarding really their most intimate health data.
0: And it's it's not to be taken lightly, is it? You've got 50 no. million <laughs> active users. I find that quite extraordinary. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, they're, and they're all around the world as well, um, which makes, I think, the role incredibly interesting, is that, you know, I'm not just sort of looking at the GDPR. I'm looking at kind of laws across the world, and user expectations, frankly, vary across the world as well. Um, privacy fluency and knowledge varies across the world, and I think that just makes it even more fascinating a role. Um, At a very kind of operational level, um, what I'd like to focus on is kind of three aspects of the privacy programme. So the first would be um, sort of the general governance and compliance piece, so making sure we've got the right policies and procedures in place, the right training, vendor onboarding is robust from a privacy angle, Our data protection impact assessments are conducted appropriately. Um, And then the second bucket really is sort of the advisory piece for the team. So you'll know, and privacy advice can be extremely contextual. It can be highly nuanced. And I think that's where the team really starts to kind of add value for the business to kind of help with product development, you know, be involved at an early stage when the engineers and the product teams are kind of building the service. And then I think the final bucket really is horizon scanning. So because we're in such a complex kind of world when it comes to privacy legislation, we need to do a lot of work to kind of actively monitor what's coming um, and prepare the business accordingly.
0: And how do you keep up with that in a in such an evolving industry and area of
1: law (laughs) great great seminars from law firms (laughs) that really helps um we do uh, we have to keep on top of kind of um what's going on I think that you know lawyers such as yourself like really help us with that and um we we try and kind of make the time and space for educating ourselves it's really hard when you have an intense day job to kind of set time aside to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read up on this new piece of legislation. I want to understand kind of what the opinions are on this piece of legislation or how people are reacting to it. And we really need to take the time to do that. So, so really, we're trying to kind of, as a team, spend more time on that kind of knowledge and development piece.
0: It's, um I always find myself doing it, um some light bedtime reading, which is probably <laughs> not the thing to do before you um, before you go to sleep.
1: Exactly. I think some may find that boring and may help them. It may well help them go to sleep. Me, I quite enjoy it. Is that really sad? (laughs) No, I'm with you. I do that too.
0: (laughs) So, um, what's the thing that sets Flow apart when it comes to privacy compliance compared with kind of your perception of the rest of the market or where you've worked before?
1: So, I mean, I think um, we. It's, it's nice to be in an organization that genuinely takes privacy seriously. So um, we are the first female app to receive ISO 27001 certification. And now there's a real appetite to work on the privacy standards. So the ISO 27701 okay. um, certification, um, there's a real kind of interest and appetite to kind of see if we can, can aim for that. That's probably the first time I've experienced that in an organization where there's a a genuine drive to kind of be certified more and actually go beyond ISO 27001. Um, I think that's really promising. Um, We've got a few initiatives that we're looking into to kind of see how we can make privacy a bit simple and uncomplicated for our users. So um, we're doing kind of a lot in that space and trying to understand kind of what good consent management might look like. Um, And we have a fantastic trust team that sits within engineering um, and their role as the trust team is to focus on privacy initiatives, which I think is really fascinating as well. So it's not that privacy just kind of sits within the legal function. It's, you know, there are kind of teams that are being built in other areas of the business to help support privacy as well, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it Um, sounds like it's
0: really embedded in the organisation.
1: Yeah. And our, our support team are, are amazing because they deal with requests, not just privacy requests, but requests from our users from around the world, you know, in the thousands every month. And and when I first came in, I wanted to understand sort of what their SLAs were for responding to kind of privacy rights requests. Mm. And you know they were almost apologetic that it was within days whereas you know as we know we have a month to to respond to these Mm. requests but I was just so impressed with sort of the speed at which kind of the support team sort of deals with um, privacy related kind of rights requests Um, and just generally I think there's there's quite an engaged um, group of uh, you know people within flow and there's really good kind of privacy fluency so I don't have to sort of explain what a dpia is like everyone kind of has a baseline knowledge and they just they just get it that like a privacy is not a hard sell basically right. at, <laughs> which i think is great um and we've got things like cross-functional kind of pillars we call them so we've got one with marketing security privacy uh the trust team where we kind of meet monthly to talk about sort of privacy initiatives which i think is fantastic so yeah a lot lots going on. I, I don't know if you've also read about our um, privacy and security advisory board that we've recently mm, sent.
0: I did I saw you were a it, and it's um, but it's cross um, cross company and you've got different people from different sectors
1: in it haven't you? Exactly so we've got these um, amazing sort of experts from eBay and Cloudflare and Nextdoor um, and really the purpose of of the uh, advisory board is for us to sort of meet on a quarterly basis and discuss like some of our privacy and security priorities at flow with Mm -hmm. the sort of independent experts um so I'm really excited about that we've only had an introductory meeting so far and I'm I'm (laughs) forward to more it's almost like the role of a non-exec director isn't it um to kind of to get that
0: extra insight into the um into what others are doing and and kind of um, bounce ideas off is that the idea of it
1: absolutely so um you know they're there to kind of support us they're there to kind of explore different ideas different things that we're thinking about um, lend a hand in terms of their expertise um, so so yeah it's 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 fantastic and how much
0: do you get involved in the strategy of flow because it sounds like because I mean privacy seems to be absolutely at the heart of it so I imagine that you have quite a big role when it comes to setting the strategy and on what happens next.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- the good thing is is that we're still quite a small organisation, so we're I think about 430 employees. So the bene- benefit is is that I think everyone gets to get involved in the strategy. Like everyone has a say. Um, the work that kind of everyone is doing across the business is incredibly important. From a privacy perspective, um, you know, the chief legal officer who I report into, he's he's very sort of open to my ideas. And he said, you know, you you tell us which way th- this needs to go, what you need to focus on. Um, and it's really kind of uh, encouraging to have that kind of support. And then, I'm interested. So
0: you said about there's 400 um, approximate people that flow. How many of those are men, given the... Sub- matter of your um and the, the mission of your company
1: so, so it might surprise you actually we have a relatively even split I think we're about 60 40 in favor of women um which I think is great because I think female health is not just a problem for women to solve I think hmm. men should get involved too <laughs> yeah. um so yeah I think I think we're we're, we're slightly um in favor of the women <laughs> <In> the <list. laughs> yeah but i'm very impressed actually that you've got about 40 yeah. percent of um
0: of men there and i think i, I agree with you it's all about diversity is not And with diversity you get the best um
1: outcomes decision.
0: outcomes yeah absolutely um and then it and i think the, the point of all this also is that this shouldn't be a female problem exactly you've talked almost evangelically about um flow what's the big thing that you think that other organizations could learn from flow when it comes to using data in a compliant way and tech to improve the lives of women
1: so I think that um you know we're like health health tech is an incredibly ambitious and passionate industry and you know we're all learning at the same time so I absolutely don't want to sort of sound preachy here, um, because I appreciate it's it's a really challenging industry. And I think some of the things that Flow do really well uh, would include, you know, we really listen to our users. So there is extensive market research and user experience research that we have conducted to really understand what empowerment means to our users when it comes to their data. And For me, it's quite unique to Flow. It's not something I've really seen as much kind of in in the past, in my career anyway. Um, So Flow surveyed nearly 2,000 users aged between 18 to 45 in the US. And this is post uh, Roe v. Wade to kind of understand what the sentiment was around um, privacy and security amongst kind of users of our service. And over 80% said that they were concerned um, about their personal health data. And to me, that that is astounding um, that, you know, we have a legislative framework in place, but users are still worried about how their data is being treated. And I think especially in kind of a post-Roe v. Wade world, that's inevitable in, in territories like the US. So I think Flo's done an excellent job of really trying to listen to users to To understand kind of what they expect from us, to understand what they want. Um, and I think in terms of kind of internally, we talk about privacy a lot. So as I mentioned, you know, we've got sort of privacy and security pillars that we've set up in the company. We have privacy champions. Um, privacy kind of fluency is very high within Flow. Um, and the privacy team as well, we are expected to add value and we're held accountable. So we work in sprints just like the rest of the business. And at the start of every quarter, we have something called planning week where we sit with different parts of the business to understand sort of what their priorities are so that we can kind of work together. So I think kind of operationally flow's done really well in that sense. I think the user research part is is incredibly important because after all, you know, how our users feel about how we process their data is, is, is paramount. And I think just finally, I think Flow is quite good in the sense that it's an agile organisation. So it's quite prepared for change, um, you know, that they, that they, they've, they've shifted uh, and introduced anonymous mode, you know, in response to the the Dobbs ruling. And um, there is a real appreciation that we are in um, an environment that's far from static when it comes to privacy law and, and we have to keep adapting and, and moving with the times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um the anonymous mode is um it's can you just tell us a little bit more about about that and how that came about?
1: yeah, unfortunately, I can't take much credit for so <laughs> it was launched um before I joined flow um it's definitely something I was fascinated um with from afar before I even joined the organization so um, just a bit of background, I was actually in Austin when the ruling for the Roe v Wade case had leaked um, and Austin, as we know, is sort of a, a blue dot in a, in a red state. Um, and I remember I was in my hotel room and I sort of looked out the window and I could see all the University of Texas students sort of marching to the Capitol building um, because they were so, so shocked by by the ruling Um and it was all over the news. It was, as, as you can imagine, sort of an incredibly emotive time. Um, and, you know, the US media had coverage, sort of, uh, from what I could see anyway, or, or, of both sides of the spectrum, both arguments, I suppose. Um, but I really got a sense of kind of how much this ruling impacted Americans, um, how polarized uh, views were on it. Um, and from my perspective, it was incredibly sort of an invasive ruling from sort of when you when you think about sort of the privacy of your body. So beyond data protection, just, just kind mm-hmm. of the concept of privacy. So um, that was quite moving for me. Um, and I think Flow, you know, made an excellent decision to kind of act fast and respond quickly. So, you know, we don't want to be in a situation where our users are pursued for, for legal action or they're prosecuted because they are potentially planning a termination or considering a termination. Um, And so we've created an anonymous mode in which um, we ensure that no single party processing user data for for an anonymous mode account has complete information of who the user is and what they're trying to access. So what we do is we decouple the health data from the personal information that's created in the anonymous mode account, Um, so that the user can still enjoy sort of cycle information, and they can kind of enjoy the use of the app. um, But no party will know who that user is. And I think that that's just an astounding kind of um, service that we're offering. And I think it's really genuinely important to users, not just in the US, but potentially around the world. Um, And effectively, we create a new account for the users. So if there is an official request to identify a user that we receive, we won't be able to satisfy the request. We won't be able to respond to authorities in the US. Yeah.
0: That's um that's quite incredible. Yes. And it's um and I, I mean, that's quite an if I said it's quite an extreme example where you've um done privacy by design, but I think lots of companies in less of an extreme example, um, when we're not talking about some basic human rights um that we enjoy over here. Um, could use that because there's quite a few. There's, there must be many situations where companies don't really need data in identifiable format, and they can still provide services to individuals. Exactly. In in that way, um, it's well. It's quite the fact that Road versus Wade has kind of as resulted in that is great.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's um, commercially sort of says a lot about Flow as well because t- to your point. Um, you know we, we don't need to be able to identify the user all the time and and that's that's fine by us and you know for some organizations they may prioritize that over protecting um individuals rights and freedoms and so i'm i'm just so proud to be part of a company that made a decision like this um and i think it, it's an excellent solution
0: so moving a little bit away from flow and onto on your career to date i like, how how have you how have you ended up at flow what was your
1: what was your journey so so I started in the telecom space um about 17 years ago with um the Carphone warehouse when they had just uh, created talk talk they just purchased aol showing showing my um <laughs> <laughs> they just purchased aol and I was always um the lawyer in the team that would kind of deal with the privacy matters on the side it was kind of like my side job my my hobby um, because at the time you didn't really see sort of privacy teams within organizations it just it just wasn't very common but yeah i was at, at the car phone warehouse um and then i moved on to o2 the mobile phone network And that's really when the Internet of Things started to explode. So O2 had the exclusive with Apple for the first iPhone. You know, apps were being launched uh, left, right and center. Um, And it was just really exciting to be a part of all of that, really. So um, I know sort of loyalty apps are everywhere now, but at the time they were not very common. So I got to kind of work on one of the first loyalty apps um, that was launched by O2. things like uh, joint ventures with uh, Vodafone and Orange or EE as it's known now at the time so I had a really interesting experience and I think what was also pretty cool about my time in telecoms is um, I was security cleared so I also advised on things like the disclosure of information to investigate crimes Um, you know the investigating national kind of disasters really as well. So, um, you know, terrorist attacks and so forth. So that that was quite fascinating for me as well. Um, after O2, I moved on to Hasbro, the, the toy and entertainment company. And there I had exposure to things like smart toys and age-appropriate design. Um, and after Hasbro, I moved on to Babylon. And I think that just kind of <laughs> opened up a whole new world for me where I kind of discovered what I what I really loved doing so at Babylon kind of the intersection of kind of health plus AI um I think that's as interesting as it gets from from a privacy perspective so you've got sort of two high-risk processing activities combined um and you know I I just it just like I say it just opens a completely new world for me um really enjoyed it I grew so passionate about providing affordable and accessible healthcare to people through technology um and there i had the opportunity to work with you know nhs systems with governments such as rwanda where we were trying to introduce technology into really sort of traditional healthcare systems so as you can imagine there's some Maybe not resistance. That's not the right word. But you know, the, there was uh, uncertainty as to whether or not technology really could create efficiencies in healthcare systems. Um, so yeah, was that was at Babylon, and then uh, absolutely loved it there. And then um, while I was at Babylon, I started thinking. So I've got two daughters, and menopause, perimenopause, it's coming for me, Rhiannon. It's around the corner, and I <laughs> and I started thinking. I really want to focus on female health, I really want to focus on something a bit more specific. I know I love health tech, want to focus on something a bit more specific. And I was kind of following, you know, um, organizations like LV, looking at kind of the products that they were introducing to the market, looking at sort of femtech accelerators, and just avidly like following even companies like Flow to, to see kind of what they were doing to kind of help encourage women to to spend more time to kind of understand their bodies and to understand their health. And, and yeah, and then I ended up at Flow and I couldn't, when <laughs> the opportunity came up, I couldn't believe my luck and uh, here I am. it's so
0: exciting. That's a really, um, thank you for that really lovely summary of your career today. And then um, I imagine that when you started off, that you would never have foreseen that journey that you made into privacy and through technology and, and through health. I think you are, um, as I mean, probably shown both our age nights but we're around the same age. <laughs> um that um we've both had careers where you start off doing privacy at the side of your desk. Because as you say, privacy just wasn't yeah. a thing that people did. Um and it's then a- we've both now made careers from it. But then along with the the tech, which has kind of gone alongside it. And so it's a forever you're forever learning in our um roles. Which makes We're it even
1: more exciting lucky, I think that sort of our sort of side hobbies became actually really good career paths, so. Yeah, yeah lucky,
0: and we went from being um boring dinner party conversations to um uh, yeah, things that people actually understood and wanted to get involved in
1: i'm so, I'm still a bit boring at dinner parties, but yes
0: <laughs> yeah, I, probably, I probably am too, I'm probably just in denial about it. I think I'm interesting. <laughs> So, out of all of that, what would you say is your biggest career highlight?
1: Oh, um, so I've I've been really fortunate. I've I've had uh, the opportunity to work with amazing teams, um, amazing leaders. I, it's always a career highlight, I think, when you see somebody progress career wise and and grow. So, um, and I'm sure kind of a lot of managers and leaders and teammates will will agree with that. So that I've really enjoyed sort of that part of my career in terms of working with excellent teams and, and seeing people sort of flourish in their careers. Um, as I mentioned, kind of the experience I had at, at Babylon in particular, I think was super fascinating. I think coming from the perspective of sort of a small startup and having to kind of face you know, the NHS or large insurance companies or large pharmaceuticals, um, you know, to say this is what I think data governance looks like. Um, I, I'm really proud that I was able to, that I was put in the position to do that. And I was able to do that. And I think during um, the pandemic and during lockdown, Babylon did a lot of work with sort of COVID response. So kind of supporting NHS systems to kind of triage patients so that they could sort of treat themselves at home and not necessarily put a burden on A&E departments and I, I was really proud of that work um i think my the highlight of my career though i have to say is probably qualifying in the first place um <laughs> so i did not see that coming because i i really didn't enjoy my law degree um I really struggled with it i scraped a a good grade um, but I sort of left uni thinking no that that really wasn't for me um, and I felt a bit lost, and I remember going to work at the Car warehouse in their call centre, so yeah. i was taking I was taking sort of calls, I'd just finished uni, felt very confused with what to sort of do with my career, and it turns out it was really bad at customer services as well, so I't I wasn't- <laughs> <laughs> i was not doing a great job on the phones. Um, and I remember my team leader at the time. He he sort of took me aside and he said, "You've got a law degree. What are you, what are you doing here?" Um, and I said, oh, I, don't, "I don't know. I liked my law degree. I don't think I don't I don't really know what I want to do." And I remember him sort of marching me across the building to the legal department. And he sort of nudged me towards one of the senior lawyers and said, "Go and ask her if if, you, if they've got any jobs." So I did. Um, and it turns out they did have a paralegal role available. And um, I started sort of a few weeks later. And then I realised that the practical application of the law is what I enjoyed. And I really, really um, just had the best time, <laughs> even though I was sort of bundling and at the photocopier the whole time. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And um so I think, you know, a few years later, I qualified. Um, so I think kind of walking into a business, starting off sort of in a call centre and walking out a solicitor, to me, that, that was a career highlight.
0: Well, that's such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so what skills do you think are needed in order to have a successful career in tech or in law? Um, and how can we help women obtain those Skills. it sounds like a very was it a man who took you across the um it was the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so ideally that would have been a woman but let's uh... <laughs>
1: yeah he um I mean the the lawyer that ultimately offered me the training contract at the coffin warehouse was a woman uh, <laughs> and uh yeah I, I mean it's in terms of kind of the tech space I think you need to be a problem solver Uh, A great team player. You need to be quite tenacious as well and resourceful and have a curiosity, I think, about you. And I think, um, you know, women, girls, they should not be outsiders when it comes to the science or the tech industry. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know, the talent is no doubt out there. Um, I'm definitely not an expert in this area, but I think at a young age, girls, they should be encouraged to explore career opportunities in this space. And I'm happy to see, um, you know, girls who code sort of classes, more sort of mentorship schemes in this area. So I think the talent pool generally needs to become a bit more balanced in terms of gender. And I think that needs to be kind of addressed quite early on. Um, And I think employers in the tech space and and other industries, actually, they just need to be quite supportive of their female staff. And they need to look at kind of, benefits or flexibility that may um you know this doesn't apply to all women of course but it may appeal to to women or alleviate some of their concerns so you know flow has quite a generous maternity leave policy uh, they're quite generous with their keeping in touch days um not that I'm planning on utilizing that policy but that is one of the things that I checked when <laughs> I joined and there's also a female health policy as well so you can have um you know paid time off if you're suffering from you know period or menopausal pain or discomfort, which I think is really, um, really encouraging. Um, I think for women in general, um, and I am massively generalizing here, I think encouragement can go a long way. So what I want to see more of is kind of everyone, men and women kind of encouraging women within their business to, uh, share their views on calls, um, give feedback, you know, call out when women are being interrupted on calls or when someone is getting credit for repeating something that a woman a woman just said on a call. Mansplaining. Yeah, we've all, <laughs> we've all been there. Um, yeah. And I think both men and women need to kind of stamp out these behaviours, you know, when they when they see them. And, you know, by the way, it's not about being soft or going easy on women at all. It's just ensuring that they have the space and a platform to be heard. So I've worked with some incredibly inspirational women in the past, who have made way for me to speak. But then they've also gone on to assertively challenge and correct me when I have spoken. (laughs) and That's fine. That's great. So I, I think there just needs to be sort of a bit more of that. And I think everyone needs to be quite mindful of it.
0: Thanks, Sue. I'm coming to my final question but I'm now actually going to split it into two questions because you've also divulged that you've got two daughters so I was going to ask you what advice you would give your younger self but can I also ask you what advice you are giving to your daughters or you will give to your daughters for their careers and their futures
1: yeah sure oh gosh um I think probably the same advice that I would give to my younger self um hindsight is a great thing isn't it it's mm-hmm. um I, it's at a very kind of personal level. I think I would just remind them that they're enough. So you're brave enough, you're capable enough, you're worthy enough. Um, You know, I, I've always kind of sort of struggled with that. So I've always thought, I'm sure I'm not the smartest person in the room or, you know, um, I don't, I don't, when I was younger, it was very much, oh, I, I don't know if, um, I I think I should hang around with this, this group of people. Um, and you know, I think it's really important that everyone has their own sense of self-identity and self-worth and they don't sort of compromise that unnecessarily throughout their lives. Um, just knowing that you're good enough, I think is a really important message that I want my daughters to know they don't have to be anybody else. They just have to be themselves. Um, I, I want them to, to believe that. I want everyone to believe that, frankly, for themselves. Um, and I don't want them to compromise. I don't want them to compromise when it comes to relationships. I don't want them to compromise when it comes to work um, or their friend circle or wh- whatever it is. And I think kind of from a work perspective, I guess I would say, like, sincere hard work is always rewarded. So, it could be in the form of a promotion. It could be a pay rise, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. So it could be that you've just gained an awful lot of experience or knowledge, or you've even gained a sense of self worth. You always gain something from, from working hard. And and by working hard, I don't mean kind of just sticking around the office because the partners are around and you want to show, you want to show them you're still working when really you're just kind of on your, on your laptop and you're not doing much. I mean, really putting the effort in it will always always pay off
0: thank you Sue. that was really insightful and um very wise words thank you um thank you so much for joining us today um i'm sure everyone who's been listening to this podcast will enjoy listening to you as much as i've enjoyed um this interview so thank you very much my pleasure thanks for having me <laughs> thanks for listening to season two of ashurst women in tech podcast series if you enjoyed this episode and want to listen to the rest of this season or catch up on season one of our Women in Tech podcast, please subscribe to Ashurst Legal Outlook wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, feel free to leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Ashurst's digital economy team, please visit www.ashurst.com. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening and goodbye for now.